Hello, and welcome to Raising Eco-Minimalists, a podcast that acts as a community for those who are raising kids who care about their mind, body, and the earth. I'm Laura, your host, mom to a five-year-old and self-described anxious eco-minimalists. Thanks for joining. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Raising Eco-Minimalists. I am, of course, your host, Laura, and thank you for being here. So usually with these solo episodes, I share some updates at the beginning, and turns out I don't really have a lot for you this episode. However, I am working on finishing out the rest of the year with for the podcast, and I am interested in hearing what topics you would like me to cover, or if you have a guest that you would like me to reach out to and interview on the show. So if you have any ideas, please feel free to reach out to me. You can send me an email at laura at raisingecominimalist.com. The email address is also in the show notes. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook and just send me a message. So that's what I have. And then just, of course, as always, a reminder that if you enjoy the show and you haven't already, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps the show tremendously get seen and put in front of people that may be in need or interested in the comments in the content, not comments. (laughs) Also, finally, a reminder that this podcast is supported by a membership program. And if you're interested in learning more, the link for that is in the show notes as well. Basically, as a member, you get extra episodes that are for members only on the off weeks. The podcast is only out every other week. And so on those weeks that there's not a public podcast release, I do have a private one just for members. Uh, You also get the podcast episodes a day early, all sorts of other things, all the info in the link in the show notes. So check that out. All right. Well, when this episode airs, it's going to be just a couple days before October 2021. And As long as the (laughs) past year and a half have seen, at the same time, it's hard to believe it's October. So with October comes kind of the start of the swing towards the Halloween season, right? I want to share not only some tips on how to make your holidays a little bit more green, but I also... I'm hoping to share some episodes and tips on how to make things less stressful for you. Because if you're like me, you have enough stress in your life right now and we're still in the pandemic, right? So look out for those. But today, for this episode, we're focusing on Halloween. Halloween is my son's absolute favorite season. He started planning his decorations, and his costume, which does change pretty much daily, but he started talking about it, no joke, back in January. He loves it. This is the time of year that we are going to any and every Halloween event that we can, whereas for the Christmas holiday, which is what we celebrate, we will maybe go to like one or two of our favorite things. But we're we're pretty active in October, and <laughs> this year seems like it's not going to be an exception. To start out with, 
I wanted to share some statistics about Halloween because if you've listened to the show, you know I like data and statistics and stuff because I think it helps put things in perspective and, and helps motivate change a little bit, at least for me. So the data for... Halloween statistics is not super up to date. And granted, I know we had a pandemic in there, so that doesn't help. But um, the soonest, earliest <laughs> that I could find uh, for a, a couple of stats was from 2016. So maybe it's gone up a little bit. I doubt it's gone down, but I'm not an economist. So um, in 2016, Americans spent an average of 82.93 each. So $82.93 each for Halloween. That is $8.4 billion, with a B, dollars. The biggest category that we spend money on as Americans is costumes. And that is so interesting to me because I'm sure you, at some point you've purchased or received a new costume and they're not usually made the greatest but they're really really expensive and I am gonna go out on a limb and guess that they're not ethically or sustainably made could be wrong but I doubt it the next stat is that we bought again Americans we bought 600 million pounds of candy in a year. Just Halloween candy. And 90 million of that 600 million sold or just the week of Halloween. So we're spending a lot of money on costumes. We're buying a lot of candy. And while money, these money statistics aren't necessarily... Uh, specifying exactly what's not eco-friendly about it. If we look between the lines here, I don't know what is the breakout for new stuff versus secondhand stuff, but we can we can guess that a lot of it is new stuff. And new stuff, of course, means new resources used, um, emissions, all the stuff that goes into consumption. And for candy, it can be all the wrappers, all the trash that comes of it, etc. So those are just a couple of things that I like to, I wanted to start out with just to set the tone here. <laughs> uh, but don't worry, we've got, we've got some tips, we've got tips here. So let's dive in. What is the best Halloween trick or treating treat when you're trying to be more eco-friendly for Halloween? This is probably the question I see most often in Zero Waste Facebook groups and just on Instagram and, and, and such. And it's a good question because, again, all those little mini fun-sized candy bars or candy packets, that's a lot of waste. And it's hard to know what, what the other options are. So, I'm going to split this topic up into non-candy options and then candy options. So I start with non-candy options because this is kind of near and dear to my heart. So my son has a peanut allergy and it's always nerve wracking to me when he gets candy that, you know, he's going to accidentally eat something with peanuts. And we're very careful about telling him not to eat anything unless he asks us first. And he's good about 
asking and checking first, but you know, and I'm, we're incredibly lucky that at this point it's not where he can't even be around it or touch it or anything. It's not that severe. So he can touch it and and receive it and such. He just can't actually ingest it. But I know that there are a lot of families out there that have very severe food allergies and it's scary. So to combat this, I don't know the history about it, but there's something called the Teal Pumpkin Project. And it's gained popularity over the last few years. And basically what you do is you put a teal pumpkin out somewhere in your yard or by your door. And there's also a teal pumpkin map that's on the official site. And you can register your house as a teal pumpkin house. And I'll put the link to that in the show notes. But by doing so, you're letting people know that you're handing out non-food related treats. That way, if a family has kids that do have really severe allergies or for whatever reason don't want to get candy, they can just go to the houses that are part of the Teal Pumpkin Project. So I've seen some houses that will have a Teal Pumpkin and they'll have a non-candy option, but then they'll also have a candy option. And I think that's what we're going to do this year um, before we just handed out non-candy stuff. But I'm slowly getting overruled on just having non-candy stuff. My husband is very passionate about being a fun, cool house. So in the... Um, <laughs> In the sense of compromising, I think we'll do both. So we've got um, some fruit snacks this year. So they are allergy-free, at least for the, uh, was it seven or eight uh, uh, common allergens? And um, we've got some skull head erasers that we'll give out. So I just mentioned erasers. Uh, You can also give out pencils. There's fun Halloween-themed pencils. You can give out uh, stamps, like the little, not like the ones you put on the a letter, but the stamps as in the, the little wooden ones, or I know that there's plastic ones, and yes, it's plastic, but um, those are an option. You can do crayons, uh, mini Halloween coloring books. You could, if you don't have a lot of kids in your neighborhood, you can do felt masks or superhero masks. There are mini puzzles, bookmarks, temporary tattoos. So there's a lot of fun options. I know one year we gave out those plastic vampire teeth. And again, none of, no, I'm saying none of them. Um, A lot of these aren't necessarily the most eco-friendly, but when it comes to wanting to participate and giving out like a non-candy option, it's not going to be perfect, but it's, it's out there. Those are some ideas for for the non-candy options. As we get into the candy options, I want to preface by saying that some of these options are honestly not super um, inexpensive. Obviously, everybody comes with different budgets, and I know that some people get like seven trick-or-treaters, and so they are able to or want to get something a little bit more expensive, the kids that come to their house. But I just wanted to preface that. So I, I, I'm aware I'm, I tried to come up with uh, as many as I could to kind of broad, broaden the availability. But I, I know that some of these <laughs> have a little bit of a sticker shock. So one option is getting allergy free candy, like Enjoy Life. Uh, they make chocolate chips, which is probably where I know them most from. I know some um, uh, many big grocers and I think even uh, like places like Target will sell them, but they do have little individually wrapped candies. And so um, while the wrappers are still going to be trash, 
they are at least allergen free and I believe they are also vegan. For a more conventional approach, there are some candies available in boxes. So those boxes could be recycled and granted not everybody is going to recycle them, but you have like Junior Mints, Dots, Nerds, Milk Duds, and there's something called Glee Gum, which is free of a lot of uh, potentially harmful ingredients and regular gum, and it's also vegan. And that also comes in a cardboard box. You can get Fair Trade chocolates. Alter Ego is the name, and they actually have a compostable wrapper, so that's kind of cool. If you've heard of Equal Exchange, they make big, delicious chocolate bars, but they also have mini bar options, so those would just be more fair trade and ethical. Um, Alter Ego, again, has that compostable wrapper, so that would be a good eco-friendly choice, and I believe the Equal Exchange bars are just regular wrappers, but um, at least you're getting something that's fair trade and ethically made. Uh, Another option is getting candy and foil. There's a site that I'll link in the show notes, and they have a lot of really cute Halloween-themed chocolates that are coming foil wrappers, so could just bunch the foil together and and then recycle it because it's aluminum. You could also do like Dove chocolates or Hershey Kisses. So those are also in foil. You can find candy and paper wrappers like Pixie Sticks. I've seen some people that, again, don't have a lot of trick-or-treaters in their area give out drinks. Um, so some people give out soda or like LaCroix or something. And I think, I don't know if they still do. I think they used to still like have little mini cans. I don't know if they still do, but those might be kind of cute. And then last but not least, uh, TerraCycle does have a box that is specifically for candy wrappers, candy and snack wrappers. So the Minneapolis Toy Library puts aside money from memberships every year and purchases a box. And so we save our wrappers and... We bring them to the toy library to recycle. But if you have like a PTO or a mom's group or another community group, or if you even just want to get neighbors or people in your community together and and kind of crowdsource and uh, come together with money to get a box, it's a great option for not just throwing away the candy wrappers. Uh, I think a small box is about $100, so it's not cheap, but it's pretty cool and... Um, yeah, it's it's a good option. And I will talk about a couple more things to do with candy wrappers in a second, but I wanted to address some things not to hand out to trick-or-treaters because I see this come up every year, and that's people that are spend a lot of time and money on resources to make homemade treats. I, I've seen so I don't know, I've seen so many different options, like little brownies or little chocolates or what have you, and they put them in these cute little things and you know they're they're package free but as a parent I am not gonna have my kid eat something handmade from somebody that I don't know so if you're just giving out things to people that you know then I'm sure that would be fine but that's not something that I'm gonna let my my son eat and it's gonna go in the compost or the garbage if you're tempted to do that I know that there's a lot of parents that also agree with this and it's probably going to cause more waste than you intended to. So I know your intentions are good, but stick with one of the other options that I just mentioned for your trick-or-treaters. 
One more thing you can do is if we're looking at buying Halloween candy as the eco-friendly levels or the sustainable levels that I like to talk about. So again, just to quickly reiterate, level one is like the most eco-friendly thing you can possibly do. And side note, that's going to look different for everybody. Level two is you're buying something and it's not the most eco-friendly thing, but it's also not the least eco-friendly thing. And level three is something that's conventional and maybe doesn't have any sort of eco-friendly component to it. Uh, But it's not necessarily that you're purchasing it out of choice. So if we're looking at, I, I try to... For things that I can't fully make the swap, I try to get into the level two. And so uh, if we look at your Halloween candy at a level two, you could um, buy just regular old candy and buy it in the biggest bag possible. So then you're not getting small, you know, five bay small bags to, to create more trash. You're getting the biggest bag possible. You could also... Um, buy some of the foil candy or see if there's somewhere that has the mini candy in bulk. And so that would be kind of a level two because you're still buying candy with the wrappers, but you're buying as eco-friendly packaging as possible. So just a little tip there. All right. And then uh, we, so we talked about the wrappers and a few other things that you can do besides, if you can't do the TerraCycle, that's totally fine, is uh, you can make eco-bricks. So eco bricks, you can Google or look on Pinterest and there's tons and tons of tutorials, but essentially you pack plastic bottles with things like candy wrappers and you just pack them to a point where they become so compact (laughs) that they're like a brick and people make stuff with them. They make chairs and tables and walls and stuff. It's, it's really kind of cool. So I would definitely recommend Googling it. It might be something fun to try with your kids. Uh, You can also make like little bracelets or necklaces. There's actually a ton of craft ideas on Pinterest if you're interested in looking for some ways to reuse those candy wrappers. Um, You could do a collage. You could do all sorts of things with them. So that's my recommendation for that. So your kids come back from trick or treating and they have a lot of trick a lot of candy. My son tends to focus intently on the candy. He knows it's there and he has a hard time letting it go. And so it always leads to my husband and I trying to figure out what to do with a lot of this leftover at some point. And then, of course, there's stuff that he doesn't like and or he can't eat. Uh, it says peanuts in it. And and so we, we usually have extra. So pre-COVID, I would just bring it into my work and put it on the like conference table and it'd be gone within like three hours. I am still working from home, so that's not an option. But... There are actually a lot of places that will accept leftover Halloween candy. There are uh, a number of organizations that will package the candy and send it to troops. There are organizations that will take them to, uh, not nursing homes, but like uh, independent living homes or senior homes. Again, this was pre-COVID, so of course you'd want to check uh, before you actually drop some off. But sometimes local food shelves or soup kitchens will take them. 
So there's something called the switch witch. Now, I have never seen the switch witch. Uh, It can also be called the candy fairy. I've never seen that either. But supposedly, the switch witch or candy fairy will come. And after the kids pick out a few pieces that they want to keep, they leave this extra candy out for the switch witch or candy fairy. And they come and take the extra candy and they'll leave like a book or maybe uh, an idea for a fun outing, maybe like a nature hike or a coupon for a trip to the zoo or something like that. And then um, I'm not sure what happens with the candy, but uh, it doesn't go to waste. I'm sure they, they, they do something really good with it. But that's a way to get some extra candy out of your house. <laughs> now, if you don't want the Switch Witch or Candy Fairy to come, that's okay. You could do something similar. So maybe um, you guys talk about an organization that means a lot to you within your family. And so um, you can do, uh, go to, or you can look up one of these organizations that send the candies for troops, if that's something that's meaningful to you. And then uh, you can trade the kids their candy for a book or something like I mentioned before. So um, I'm trying to say this delicately if you haven't noticed. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so those are some options. Um, there's also uh, the Ronald McDonald House will sometimes take it. Uh, there's also something called the Halloween Candy Buyback. And they partner with local um, businesses. Often it's a dentist office, but they have a bin and you can go and look up if there's any in your area. And then they you can drop off the candy there. Uh, sometimes dentist office will also take candy and, and give the kids something in return. You'd have to call your local one to see if they do anything. But those are a few options on what to do with candy. Of course, you can always, you can make like candy cookies or candy brownies, or you can make or save them, save the candy for making gingerbread houses for Christmas, or maybe even just make a fun gingerbread house, a fall themed one or something like that. So those are some options on what to do with leftover candy. All right. So one more thing about candy is what do you carry it in? So we have a pumpkin that was mine when I was little. And that is what my son uses. Um, But you could use any tote bag that you have. You don't need to buy a new one. Uh, If your kids are really set on having like a pumpkin themed one, check check your uh, local secondhand store or Facebook marketplace, your buy nothing group, because they seem to be plentiful. And uh, if you're if you're if you're able to not buy a new one, I, I think that that there's just so many. <laughs> okay, so that's enough about candy. Now let's talk about costumes. So as I mentioned at the very beginning, costumes are the number one category that we spend the most money on for Halloween. But I don't think it has to be like that because there's so much stuff that already exists that you can use to make costumes. So The first thing is, I think, what many of our parents did when we were little, and that was make our own, (laughs) make your own, make our, make your, make our own, DIY, upcycle, whatever. So you can use materials that you already have around the house or 
shop your closet first or your kid's closet, often you'll already have a lot of what you need for your costume. If you still have items that you need, you can borrow from a friend. Buy nothing groups, Facebook Marketplace, those are all really great places to find items that you'll need for a costume. You could also host a a costume swap. My local mom's group or parents group is actually doing that this year and I absolutely love the idea. Um, I've seen a ton of costumes be listed as available in my Buy Nothing group and I think that there are more and more people that are willing to trade or give away stuff that, that no longer fits or that they need. So costume swaps are great. Uh, None of the other options work. Look secondhand. There are so many great places now that you can look for kid stuff. Like Kidizen app is great. Toy Cycle is great. Of course, Facebook Marketplace, as I just mentioned, your local thrift shop is great. There are a lot of options for buying secondhand. And so if you can't find what you're looking for, either free or by trading or swapping or borrowing, secondhand is the way to go. You can also rent if you don't want to buy a costume. So this year I noticed that Rent-A-Romper, which is a great kids clothes renting service, is offering uh, Halloween costumes to rent. There's also a website called HalloweenCostumes.com and they offer costume rentals. And I took a look and they've got um, like Disney ones. They've got video game characters. They have a lot of different categories and it looked really cool. And the price to rent was like an eighth or a fourth of what it is to buy new. You can also check if you have a toy library in there in your area. They are ours has costumes and while you can rent them year round, of course, it's really popular around Halloween to do so. Uh, So that's an option as well. One thing that I do and I have for a long time for my son, which has worked out well for us, is I keep my eye out for costumes year round. So my son likes to play dress up. And so if I see somebody giving away a costume or I see one in a character that I know he would love on Facebook Marketplace or somewhere secondhand, if it's in his size or even a little bit bigger, because I do live in Minnesota and sometimes you have to put your winter gear on under your costume, uh, I'll get it if it's a good deal. And then he can just play with it year round. But when then it becomes time for Halloween, we just tell him that he needs to look at his current costume. So he's got about three, I think, right now. And it changes every day (laughs) what he wants to be. But I don't care because you know, he's got three to choose from. So um, he's it's been where I think last year where he finally had picked something in mind. And then it was like an hour before we went out and he changed his mind again. So it puts a lot less stress on me. And it also provides him some fun, dramatic play throughout the year. And so I take it as an eco-minimalist win. (laughs) All right, last but not least, let's talk pumpkins. So on November 1st, over 1 billion, with a B, pumpkins end up in the trash. And 
This is not great, of course, because uh, if you listen to the composting episode with Jen Panero, I believe it was episode 11, but I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, food that ends up in the landfill doesn't just break down or compost like many people think and what I used to think. Instead, it lacks the necessary nutrients. And the big one is oxygen. Uh, in the landfill. And so it slowly, slowly, slowly decomposes and it releases methane, which is a greenhouse gas that is three times as potent as carbon dioxide. So we've got one billion pounds of pumpkins in the landfill every single November 1st or November 2nd, and it's all sitting there emitting a lot of methane. One thing I'll say about pumpkins is have a plan for it. Honestly, we just throw them in the garden. By that point, all the leaves have fallen. And so I kind of tuck them in with the leaves. So it's not just a rotting pumpkin in the middle of our yard, but the squirrels eat it. uh, Lots of other critters eat it for food. And then it slowly breaks down into the garden over the winter and uh, provides nutrients to the soil. So that's what we do. I know a lot of people do bury them. Uh, there's also a really great app called Share Waste, which connects people who have materials that need to be composted to people that need compost materials. So that's a great way to look for somebody that could take it off your hands. And yeah, so you can also uh, make sure that you eat the seeds or give them to somebody who loves seeds. <laughs> you can use the the gooey part inside to make pumpkin treats. You can use a lot of pieces of the pumpkin and of course carve them and uh, display them out, which is always really fun. For those pumpkin carving materials, um, I do see them a lot secondhand or just use what you have. I mean, we just... Well, my husband and I use some uh, tools that I had for a clay making class that I took in college. And so we've just kept those and reused them for pumpkin carving. Um, But otherwise, we just use like a spoon that we have and we don't buy the extra stuff because they tend to break pretty easily and end up as plastic trash. So buy secondhand, use what you have uh, or... Uh, if, if it's safe to do so, have like a pumpkin carving party and just share materials. As far as where to get a pumpkin, try and buy it from a local farm. Um, use your phone or computer for the carving ideas or even get a book from the library. Freehand drawing is not my, <laughs> my strength, so I usually stick to something pretty simple, but... As far as what to light the pumpkins with, um, use up any tea lights that you already have on hand or look in your buy nothing group. I see tea lights offered up fairly often. And otherwise, if you are feeling crafty, you can make some or they do have some LED battery operated tea lights and you maybe could find those secondhand and then just reuse them year to year. Um, There are tips out there. I'll put a link in the show notes for picking out the pumpkin that's going to be long lasting and it has ways to keep your carved pumpkin fresh longer. Fortunately, where we live, we have some relentless squirrels and so we don't put our pumpkins out until the night of Halloween. But that just means that we have some fall de- or fall decor <laughs> in the house <laughs> and uh, that that's nice too. Bottom line is do what you can, of course, and just enjoy the holiday. 
I hope you have a good one. I will be back in a couple of weeks with a guest episode, and it's a good one. It's really fun. I'm excited to share it with you. So don't forget that in order to live a sustainable lifestyle, it must be sustainable for you. Bye. Thank you so much again for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing. These three things are the best way to ensure that the podcast reaches other people who are trying to raise eco-minimalists. Additionally, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, as well as the link to join the Facebook community group, all in the show notes. Finally, don't forget that you can become a member of the podcast and receive benefits such as extra bonus episodes, episodes a day early, learn about guests ahead of time, and lots more. The link to becoming a member or to find out more info is also in the show notes. Oh, and one last thing. Don't forget that in order for sustainable living to be sustainable, it has to be sustainable for you. Until next time, bye.